And we start NFL Live with breaking news out of Kansas City. Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones will be back this weekend for their game against the Jaguars. This is according to head coach Andy Reid, both of them missing the week one opener. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to all you Chiefs fans. That's great news. Hannah Storm along with Dan, Mina, and RC. We're going to get more on the Chiefs. Obviously, we're going to break down the Eagles win over the Vikings last night. But first, Aaron Rodgers speaking this afternoon for the first time since his surgery. That narrative has changed to what's next now in Rodgers' recovery after his shocking injury just four plays into his Jets career on Monday Night Football. Season-ending torn Achilles. Rodgers had surgery on Wednesday in Los Angeles as the Jets soldier on with Zach Wilson, a quarterback. Rodgers knows he has a long road ahead, and he joined Pat McAfee this afternoon speaking about his injury, his rehab, and his football future. Monday was uh, was a Amazing day to start. Uh, amazing night around the field with the flag, uh, the electric. And then it turned into one of the toughest uh, 24 hour stretches I've had uh, in my life, for sure. A uh, lot, of, lot of sadness, a lot of tears, a lot of uh, dark uh, frustration and anger, all the gamut of emotions. Before even an MRI, I knew, I knew what happened. Um, uh, I knew I'd uh, torn my Achilles. Give me the uh, the timetables. Give me your doubts. Give me your prognostications. And then watch what I do. I like it. Uh, the headline here is that Roger sounds like a man who is going to do whatever it takes to get back on the football field. What did you think of his comments, Dan? Great news for the Jets in, in the bad situation in their jet, the Jets fan base. I think two things that my mind immediately pivots to. One, that now they'll keep their first round pick for next year. In the second round pick now goes to Green Bay instead of the first. And that kind of pay cut that he took, not only for this year, but for next year as well, is going to have another tremendous impact. So terrible situation. The good is the pick and the money that's left for 2024. I mean, I think it's just sad for football when you think about Aaron Rodgers and the excitement that was built around the New York Jets and what they could be capable of having a quarterback of his caliber. But, I mean, there were never any doubts in my mind that if Aaron Rodgers wanted to play, that Aaron Rodgers would do everything he possibly could to get back on the football field. I don't believe there's going to be doubters. I don't believe there's going to be prognosticators. I think there are going to be a lot of people who are rooting for Aaron Rodgers to get back on the football field because football is better when Aaron Rodgers is playing and when Aaron Rodgers is playing at a high level. It will be difficult. At age 39, things heal up differently than they did at 22. But if anybody has the means to have the best sorts of rehabs, the best doctors, the best opportunities to be back on the field, then it's Aaron Rodgers. And listen, when you have a golden arm, it doesn't matter if you have a repaired Achilles. <laughs> Yeah, the track record for players, quarterbacks coming back from these injuries, it's small, it's difficult, we know that. I agree with Ryan, though. I'm not doubting Aaron Rodgers, certainly not after he kind of conveyed his mindset. And I think that's probably, at this point, what's most important is his willingness, his stated desire to return, because that certainly impacts the Jets' plans yeah. For 2024, we've been talking about what they might do at quarterback, uh, what potential trades would be out there. And they've been everything from mild trades, like, you know, mid-round or later picks for backups on other teams, 
all the way up to the pie-in-the-sky trades involving a first-rounder for Kyler Murray or Matthew Stafford, I think we can safely take those moonshots off of the table knowing that Rodgers pl does plan to return next year. And another big question is, we don't know how well his protege or how much better his protege, Zach Wilson, no is going to play. We don't know how improved uh, under Aaron's tutelage. He will be. Rodgers spoke about Wilson. Yeah, I'm very confident in Zach, and I think he's confident himself, which is the most important thing. Um, it was an important offseason for him. You know, very important, I think, to get his confidence back and uh, to be able to work on, uh, you know, some of the little fundamental things uh, that I think you've seen show up in the preseason and obviously the other night uh, on Monday. But, um, you know, I was, I mean, truly, I was hoping he could have, uh, you know, a couple years to uh, uh, to sit back and have uh, pressure on him and relax. But uh, that's how this life goes sometimes, throws you some curveballs. But I'm excited for him. He's a great kid. Uh, love him. Uh, pulling for him. So he gets thrown back into the fire here, RC. If you're a veteran on that team, and some of them lived through the Wilson debacle last year, uh, some of them are new this year. How do you approach your young quarterback at this point with getting a second chance? <laughs> I mean, first thing is I probably don't approach, approach him at all. I say nothing to his face and a lot hmm. behind his back. And I don't mean that in the negative way, in the negative way of like, let's talk badly about Zach Wilson. But I'm not going to walk up to him every day and tell him how much I believe in him. In him. I'm not going to walk up to him every day and tell him how much I'm rooting for him and I support him. I'm going to let a grown man go about doing his job in the way that a grown man should. And then when I get into the defensive meeting room with Coach Jeff Albrick, who is the defensive coordinator. We're going to talk about how we limit points. We're going to talk about how we give field position. We're in the special teams meeting. We're going to talk about how we can create an extra possession for our offense. Those are the things that have to go on behind the scenes because you do understand you're no longer playing with Aaron Rodgers. But Zach Wilson doesn't need a cheering session. He doesn't need a therapy session every single day to get him prepared to play. He's a grown man. He's an adult. He's a professional. He has to do that. But as a player on that team in that locker room, I have to know what we now need to do based on complimentary football to win. And those are the conversations I'm having around Zach Wilson, not to Zach Wilson. Right. What's the defense saying to themselves about their responsibility here now, uh, special teams and the like? And what mm. he does need is this kid needs a game plan. And no. now Nathaniel Hackett has to take a right-hand turn and figure that out yeah. on a short week. What do you expect? I would expect them to try to become like Brian Dable and treat him like they did last year in New York in Daniel Jones. And that was prioritizing protection, eight-man protection. And you can still have an explosive pass game. The, the play action that you know gives those three-letter pass concepts where it's a post or crosser. Again, another example of eight-man protection. The Giants last year determined we were not going to expose Daniel Jones to having to make really quick decisions that were difficult in a kind of quicker time frame. Even if it's not play action, you could do the shotgun drop back, but just make sure chip, chip, chip to make sure there's six, seven, eight guys, and then he's got multiple concepts that he can attack. If I were the the Jets, I really would lean into that. And is that going to shrink your playbook? Absolutely. But I think he's talented enough to make throws as long as you give him the opportunity to have some time to think about it mm. and see it clearly. Yeah, and keep that confidence up because let's face it, this is their quarterback going forward. But they also have that fantastic defense. So on the other side, we have Dak Prescott, a guy who wants to cut down on his yeah. mistakes, take care of the football. What does he have to do? 
Yeah, I mean, the Jets defense showed us how good they are uh, in their, uh, their win over Buffalo. And I think for Dallas, the challenge is, okay, this is a defense that can get pressure with four, that can stop the run with light boxes, that has lockdown coverage on the side. How do you move the ball on them? Last year, I was thinking back to which offenses I remember having some success doing so. One that came to mind that I think shares some DNA actually with Dallas was Jacksonville in week 16. And they did a few things that I think if I'm Mike McCarthy, I try to replicate in this game. Uh, number one, obviously the ball's got to come out quick. Dak Prescott did throw the ball exceptionally quick last week. Obviously it was a weird game. He had a 2.37 second time to throw. Trevor Lawrence got that ball out in under two and a half seconds against the Jets. So that's the first and, and most important task. Two, the tight ends have to play a huge role. Evan Ingram was the most targeted receiver in that game. Uh, Jake Ferguson, Peyton Hendershot had some drops last week. They need to come back strong in this one because that remains, I believe, the Jets' weakness on defense. And then finally, we know the Jets play a lot of quarter coverage. Jacksonville attacked the flats in the middle of the field. Dallas needs to do the same. CeeDee Lamb in the middle, Tony Pollard in the flats. Dak likes throwing to those areas. I think if they can do all of those things, they can move the ball on a very, very good defense. So do they go 2-0 against New York and back-to-back -back weeks? We shall mm. see. All right. So a lot of questions about Dak Prescott. How will he look in fantasy this week against that loaded defense Mina was just talking about? Well, for that, we check with AI-generated fantasy insights, but with IBM Watson X. Uh, Dak is a top 10 quarterback this week with a high projection of 20.7 fantasy points and a low of 10.9. There you have it. We are just getting started on NFL Live. What about the youngsters? Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, they face off this weekend battle of the top rookie QBs. Dan the Man going to the film room to break down what he likes about both of these guys. Plus, the Eagles now 2-0 after last night's win against the Vikings. We dive into DeAndre Swift and how that running attack was the key to the victory. Hometown hero last night. NFL Live is brought to you by Miller Lite. Great taste, 96 calories. Tastes like Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
This Monday, we have two Monday night football matchups. Dan on the call with Chris Fowler, Lewis Riddick, Laura Rutledge, Derek Hart leading the Saints against number one overall pick Bryce Young and the Panthers. A special start time of 7 Eastern on ESPN. And then over on ABC, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and Lisa Salters bringing Nick Chubb and the Browns taking on TJ Watt and the Steelers. Classic rivalry coming your way at 8 Eastern. As we are now in the film room, which this is pretty cool. This is my first trip. We don't use it enough. I like this. This is like Dan's living room here. <laughs> this um, is significantly nicer than mine. I know. Room. I know you're on the call for uh, Bryce Young, but a couple of other young yeah. quarterbacks. Anthony Richardson looked pretty good. Yeah, to really me good. In week one, what'd you see from Saw him? Saw the field well, Hannah. I'd, I'd say Indianapolis, Indianapolis needs to lean into kind of throwing more seam concepts. Mm -hmm. So why, one, Anthony Richardson sees it really well, and two, he's got the arm strength to deliver this certain type of ball. I want to show this to everybody. So this is called 12 personnel. We have one back and two tight ends. I want everyone to home to really focus on the tight ends. Now, when the tight end goes in motion, they're going to bring both of those guys to the same side. Now, defensively, the Jags are going to be in what we call cover three, okay? They have a deep third. Each, each guy is responsible for a third. It's a zone coverage. Now, how you want to attack a third cover defense is you want to do the ball to the perimeter, or ideally, this is the weak area, what we call these seam areas. Now, when you're throwing a ball down the seam versus cover three, you really want to do everything you can to kind of take your tight end to the, what we call the top of the numbers. Because this safety, he's got vision on the quarterback, whatnot, we want to protect him from that safety. The second thing is you have to understand that depth matters with these guys, hook defenders, more than width because they're going to be in throwing lanes. Now, I want to bring it back so everyone understands the importance of this seam throw. This ball is going to get thrown right from the 22-yard line. Perfect location would be 18 yards down the field, right at the top of the number, so the 40-yard line. So Anthony's got to hold that safety because remember, I told you we want to protect him from driving on that tight end. He's also got to see these underneath defenders and know that they can, as long as they don't get in so much depth, Anthony can throw that ball with a little bit of touch over mm -hmm. the top of them. So the ball comes out right now. Remember, this is the ideal location. As long as that ball is on the 40-yard line, top of the numbers versus cover three, that's absolutely perfect. Ball comes out on time, 40-yard line, top of the numbers. And the really important thing is we cannot bend him with this throw. If we bring this throw in here, we call that bad stuff. That guy's going to go to the hospital because of that safety hunting, okay? So the location on the top of the numbers is absolutely perfect. Now, you also want to be able to operate that scheme versus multiple coverage. This one is going to be cover four. There's two safeties, okay? Mm -hmm. So we no longer want to be able to throw this ball up this way because there's a bad guy, a defender, right there. So now when we throw this bender seam, we want to make sure that we bend him in in front of this safety. Throwing him here would be a bad idea because interceptions. But you have hook defenders underneath, so it's paramount that you see that defender and force him to widen while also kind of hold your eyes on this guy and that you trust your tight end to bend in as flat as needed to make sure that ball comes out on time. And then you got to pin it on his chest perfectly before that safety drives. Anthony Richardson, same play, oh. two different coverages, two different throws, and that's why... You have such confidence watching him operate and going, he's seeing the field well and he's making that right throw versus the, the certain coverage. 
And I think Indy needs to lean into that a little bit more because mm -hmm. he's capable of handling it all. One of the biggest questions really going into the season was Richardson, certainly his long-term future. Both, totally. both franchises as he faces C.J. Stroud, really hoping these rookies are their solution Impressive. at quarterback because it's been a while Absolutely. Uh, for both fan bases. Dan the man, thank you. Time to read and react. We begin with the Broncos who look to bounce back from a loss in Sean Payton's debut as their head coach by a point. Russell Wilson and the offense racking in the bottom five in the NFL in points per game last season. Those struggles continuing last week. Denver held to a mere 16 points. Up next is a matchup against a talented commander's defense. So, RC, what concerns do you have for the Broncos entering this one? Well, one, it's about protection. It's about being able to make sure Russell Wilson can stay away from the Montez Sweats and the Jonathan Allens. And also, how do you protect the ball while still pushing it down the field? Russell Wilson was known for his location on his deep footballs. And now, without having the ability to sit in the pocket and maybe take some of those throws or use second play opportunities, you're minimizing your opportunities or your chances to get the good pieces of Russell Wilson. So I hope that Sean Payton and Russell Wilson can somehow find a space in the middle to let him be him, protect the football, and find ways to help your skilled players on the outside who are somewhat depleted. Boy, they're going to hear it if the Broncos fall to 0 and 2. Up next, Green Bay, Jordan Love, very impressive in his debut as the Packers' new starting quarterback, particularly when it mattered most. On third and fourth down, Love completing 8 of 10 attempts for 141 yards and two touchdowns. Seven of those completions went for a first down. The most by a Packers quarterback since, of course, Aaron Rodgers in 2020. Mina, what stood out to you about Love's performance? Just how well he looked or played, rather, in Matt LaFleur's scheme, which looked kind of what, like what we would have expected. He was under center far more than Aaron Rodgers, more play action, and a ton of pre-snap motion. Third most on pass plays in the NFL. They were extremely efficient when they did so. I think this will present problems for an Atlanta Falcons that off defense that, based on week one, appears to be playing more man coverage, which we know can be, cause issues against all of that motion. I like Jordan Love again this week because of what the scheme affords him versus this matchup. He certainly looks ready, Mina, and that's a fascinating matchup. Still ahead on NFL Live, the Chiefs are going to have their two stars back in the lineup Sunday against the Jags. This is also intriguing. What impact do Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones have on KC's chances on the road in week two to get that first win? We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
This week on Sunday NFL Countdown, what life after Rodgers means for the Jets as they head to Big D. And the inside story of how karma was served in a Packers bar. I was buying Jets fans drinks all night. I thought it was really funny. I'm very afraid to see my tab. We sit down with Dak Prescott and Jared Goff. Your Sunday starts on NFL Countdown at 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN. There's an night football, Eagles and Vikings. We pick it up with under a minute left in the second quarter. Vikings trailing by three, second and ten. This was just an absolute killer, Dan, as you're going to oh. see Justin Jefferson make the catch, but then he fumbles, reaches over the pylon. It's a touchback. Just a, the worst kind of turnover. It's an incredible route by Justin. This is one of the worst rules in football. I think there's a way that the NFL has to figure this out to make it so the other team doesn't completely lose possession. Yeah, they scored three off of that. Did the Eagles? Josh Sweat second, Kirk Cousins. It comes loose. That was his blind side. That's recovered by Fletcher Cobb. Not how you want to start the second half. No, uh, three turnovers. This this Vikings team just cannot hang on to the football. Uh, Jalen, oh, this is what they do, right? Jalen Hurts pushed up the middle for the touchdown. <laughs> That's right. They've made it famous. Hurts connecting wide open with Devontae Smith. I'd love to see more of this. It's the same play that Devontae had the long reception on early in the football game. It's essentially cover zero, pass off. Everyone's playing man-to-man. Jalen sees it and launches it outside, and great job by Devontae. Right, here's the third and ten. Cousins, hello, Jordan Addison. It's a great play call. They fake screen one side and get the safety from the backside to drive. Kirk climbs the pocket, throws a beautiful ball to Addison. Yeah, they're staying in this thing. A.J. Brown and Hurts then. This was not a big deal, right? Absolutely not. This is leadership and accountability at the highest level. Both these guys are highly competitive and want to be great. Yeah, Brown just 29 yards, six targets. Um, Hurts hands off to DeAndre Swift. What a revelation he was. St. Joe's prep there in Philly. Huge night. It's a pretty solid homecoming. Yeah, First home no game kidding. to go for a career high in yardage. He's perfect for this offensive line. Yeah, 28 carries, 175 yards, the touchdown for the aptly named Sutton. As the Eagles win 34-28. Hate to see the news today that Avante Maddox, though, uh, they fear he yeah. has a torn pack as if that defense uh, didn't have enough issues. How about more on Swift? He rushes for that career high, 175. Dominant offensive line, huge role here in this one as he gains nearly five yards before he is even touched by a defender. Second most yards per rush before contact by any player in a game over the last three seasons. All right, that is the good news. Dan loves to, you know, give us a dose of reality, even though the Eagles are 0-2. 2-0. 2-0. 2-0. 2-0. How do they... How do they compare to this uh, the NFC Championship team? They don't they don't look like the same football team when you're watching them play on the field. To your point, Hannah, they're two and zero. Being two and zero in the NFL is good, but playing good and and having a good situation are different things. Uh, one, Jalen Hurts is getting hit way too much. Jalen Hurts has been hit 14 times per game in the first two games. If that keeps up, that would be the third most hits a quarterback has taken since 2006. Number two. The pass game absolutely seems off sync. If we're mm. like being honest, outside of those two big throws downfield last night, the pass game was just mm. kind of pedestrian and, and it's lacking. And the third thing, and this is just something I think fans and their organization has to pay attention to, they haven't stopped anyone. Outside of getting some turnovers, and I don't necessarily dick call them takeaways, mm. it's more turnovers, their defense is struggling. I yeah. understand there were some missing parts. And the interior yeah. of the defensive line was impressive. But guys, yeah. I just, they don't look like the same team that dominated the NFC last year. Yeah, but there is a lot missing other players that didn't come back or injuries. And now Maddox, Mina. 
Yeah, I'm going to give the defense a pass. There was guys in the secondary I didn't know were on the team, hand up. Like, it, they were really <laughs> undermanned back there. Um, I, I, offensively is, I think, where I'm a little bit more mixed, Dan. Like, on one hand, I'm with you. The pass protection has been an issue. I was surprised to see how much Jalen struggled, not just at the beginning when the Vikings started throwing drop eight at him, but the struggles continued over the course of the right. game. I was surprised they didn't find answers to that uh, in-game. But... On the topic of in-game adjustments, the new offensive coordinator, it was good to see the Eagles realize, oh, this team can't set an edge to save their life. Right. We're going to run the ball and, and to run it so efficiently, which is, you know, not every team has that in their arsenal, being able to completely just say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to rip off seven straight successful runs. And that, I think, you know, as they figure out some things in the past game, that, to me, is encouraging, just the fact that they continue to have so many answers for different defensive weaknesses. Yeah, I thought, I thought the adjustment that offensive coordinator Brian Johnson made was smart. They can't stop the run game, so we're going to continue to feed the ball to DeAndre Swift. And obviously, you want them to be able to flow in the pass game very similar to what they did last year, but it started because of what Miles Sanders, Jalen Hurts, and guys like Kenneth Gainwell could do in the run, and that got them into RPO. It got them into play-action pass. It stacked the box with eight people and gave them those one-on-ones on the outside. This is a different way or a different idea in playing the Philadelphia Eagles. Everyone knew last year our job was to force Jalen Hurts to beat us. And when you went one-on-one -on, -one on the outside with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, a lot of times you paid the price for that. That's not what Brian Flores was going to allow this team to do. And when you go back to week one, Bill Belichick wasn't going to allow Jalen Hurts to have comfort in the pocket. And so moving forward, it's going to be continual adjustments by this team. I love knowing now, if I'm Brian Johnson, that DeAndre Swift can not only be explosive in the run game, but he can also be the bell cow with a total or totaling a ton of carries. I thought it was a great game by them from dominating the, the offensive line in the run front and DeAndre Swift turning four-yard runs or five-yard runs into 10. Now it's going to be to the pass game and evolving there as well as the season goes on. Yeah, two things, RC. I agree with you guys with the offensive line. The interior of the offensive line for Philadelphia was fantastic. I just don't think they're going to see many interior defensive lines that play as poorly as Minnesota. Yeah. And this is the second week in a row that teams defensively had play, have played almost like five across at 10 yards. Everybody else is up at the line of scrimmage, and it's blitz zero pass off, or they're going to drop out. And there, there has been some success. And I think that it's something for us to just pay attention to, for them to pay attention to. Agreed. It's not a formula, but I think they're going to see more wrinkles of this defensive scheme that started in New England and certainly had moments of success last night yeah. for Minnesota. All right, speaking of formulas, can we talk about the Vikings for a second, a team yeah. that really lived on the edge last season? Here they are sitting at 0-2 Mina, seven turnovers. Uh, I don't know, was this predictable in some sense, what we've seen from them? Yeah, math is undefeated, guys. Now, the Vikings last year went 13-4 and four despite having a negative point differential. That's never happened in NFL history. There's this thing called the Pythagorean wins projection, which was started by Bill James and Daryl Morey. Basically, what it says is, based on a team's point differential, what should their record have been? And according to FTN last year, they were an 8 a 0.4 win team. So they might have won 13 games, 
but they had the underlying profile based on how much they scored and were scored on of an eight-win team. That is something you look at that is a strong indicator of what's going to happen next year. Part of the reason they got so lucky last year is because they went like 11-0 and in one-score games. Now we're seeing their 0-2. I bring this up not to pile on Vikings fans. I know you're probably feeling pretty bad. But just to remind you guys, if there's a team this year, and this happens all the time, that seems to be winning all these one-score games Mm -hmm. and we're talking about their clutch, history is undefeated. That luck turns. Teams over the course of time go 500 in one-score games. This was very predictable from the Minnesota Vikings. Dan trying to process that <laughs> Pythagorean win. You got it. What? <laughs> Holy. Just, uh, There's just, never been a show that talked about football as in-depth as we do that also hit people with Pythagorean wins. There, there's got to be a percentage of everything that Mina says and a pretty good one that goes over every No, oh, head. gosh, yeah. <laughs> Yale, no, 17 years to graduate. It. You got it. <laughs> All right. You understand. <laughs> you knew this would happen with Minnesota. No man. doubt. You knew I, it hold happened. on, real quick. I just want to clarify. So yeah. you're. So can can you explain yeah. that very quickly to me? What that actually is, Mina? Again, very quickly. Sorry, because I do think it matters. Yeah, it's just because like based on the point differential, what should your record have been? Right. They won a lot of close games. Right. Okay. Over time, teams tend to go 500 in close games. They yeah. went 11 and 0, which is wild. Gotcha. So they weren't. What their record said they were. Ah, last. That, that's yeah. what exactly, saying, Hannah. Right? I, that's a I, that's a much better way of saying I, it. Pythagorean wins. Exactly. I love that. The other one sounds better. All right, uh, two guys in the limelight this weekend: Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, back for their game in Jacksonville this weekend. Uh, Chris Jones returning, of course, after getting that contract resolved. Tight end Travis Kelsey. He misses last week's loss with that hyperextended left knee. Uh, says he's gotten some running in at practice this week. Uh, Jeff Darlington joining us now from South. Florida. So, Jeff, I don't know if you're keeping up on this math discussion, but it's pretty simple. Uh, If you put it like this, two of their three best players are back this weekend. What can you tell us about Kelsey and Jones back on the field? Well, Hannah, let me dumb this show down real quick by showing up on it. We need to kind of, you know, compensate for Mina's brilliance having me on. Let me tell you about the Chiefs, though, as well. As you mentioned there, We've got two guys, Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey, who are scheduled to play on Sunday. Great news for the Chiefs as they look uh, to bolster things on both sides of the ball. Travis Kelsey specifically, we know going into that last game that he was actually fairly close to being able to play in it. So it wasn't really something where it was going to be a long-term issue. He's been able to play to an extent this week where the coaching staff is already comfortable enough knowing that he'll play on Sunday, and he should be full strength as well. Chris Jones dealing with that holdout. One thing we should point out there is that he's got a lot more incentives in his contract, the way it was structured this Mm -hmm. year. So not only should we expect uh, to see a full workload because the Chiefs want it, we should expect to see a full workload because Chris Jones wants it now. Yeah, good point. Jeff Darlington, we appreciate you. And with Travis Kelsey back on the field, Dan. (laughs) limited role even if it's that how yeah. big a difference is it going to make it's huge you know one of the things that really changed in the the Chiefs offense last year was how they schematically as an offense not just Travis attacked the middle of the field Travis doesn't play week one what happened when it came to them throwing look this was staggering this was the worst game Patrick Mahomes has ever had throwing the ball in between the numbers attacking the middle of the field so this isn't just Patrick, or excuse me, Travis, this is going to be not only him, but what he does for their offense and allowing other people in the middle of the field to work. So, he, he obviously, tremendous impact, the player. But I think the impact right. when it comes to who they want to be schematically is also going to be a huge coming when he comes back this weekend.
Yeah, I just think when you have to plan for Travis Kelsey, it's a lot more difficult for defensive coordinators, and he'll have an opportunity to open things up for some of these other players we saw on Thursday night when the season started that couldn't quite make some of the plays that Patrick Mahomes needed them to. Yeah, there's so many things he does on the field that are un, kind of intangible. Um, I was thinking last year on the Super Bowl, we were talking about how good the Chiefs were with their four strong concepts. Yeah. There was a play last week where Tony was the isolated uh, receiver and the safety cheated over to help him. That would never happen with Travis Kelsey right. on the other side of the field. And then the other thing I think that flies under the radar a little bit is how important he is in the run game. Chiefs uh, situationally didn't run the ball as much as they probably wanted to, but it was their usual fair, a lot of outside zone. The offensive line got no help. The wide receivers were not able to help them in the run game uh, get their combinations, and the tight ends, absent Kelsey, did not have a good day blocking. So I think just getting him back uh, will help a lot in that regard because he is probably the best blocking tight end on the team right now. I think those receivers just take that bad game one and shake it off, you know, in the words of, of, the, great, so. of the great Taylor Swift. <laughs> Swifty. <laughs> shake it off. <laughs> All right, still to come. <laughs> and the uh, electric Dolphins offense takes on Matthew Judon and the Pats' potent defense. Hear what RCA thinks the Pats need to do to shut down that passing attack. Limelight is brought to you by Corona Extra. Find the fine life. Live La Vida Masfina. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. I can't wait till this thing kicks off because we are coming. The hype is all around Dion's team. This is going to be so good. It was already good all day today. We have so many shows live from Boulder. Game day coming your way Saturday, 9 a.m. Shadur Sanders just climbing up those draft boards. Cannot wait to see Coach Prime and company looking to go 3-0. Time now for some top storylines with Jeff Darlington. What more can you tell us about Austin Eckler going into the weekend, Jeff? Well, top stories today are not good ones when it comes to injuries. Austin Eckler is not going to play in this coming game after missing practice for three days this week uh, due to an ankle issue. Now you can see the impact that he's already had. 16 rushes, 117 yards with a touchdown in that week one loss to Miami. But doubtful, I should say, 
to play in that game. Uh, right now, it is not looking good for Austin Eckler Sunday against the Titans. We've got a pair of injuries for the Packers right now that uh, is also something we're watching very closely. Aaron Jones specifically has not been able to play, practice at all this week. He left the game last week with a hamstring issue uh, that he suffered during. You see that touchdown right there. Christian Watson also dealing with a hamstring issue as well. At least though, Watson was able to practice with some limitations today. So somewhat of a positive sign with Watson. We'll keep an eye on him if he can play as well. We've got other injuries around the league here. You see Chase Young, Jacoby Myers. You've got uh, several defensive players right now that we're keeping an eye on going into this game. Uh, it looks like Chase Young, though, will be able to play at the Broncos, dealing with that neck issue. So obviously very important for Washington as well. We've also got another injury update for you from Adam Ooh. Schefter this hour. Texans adding C.J. Stroud to their injury report with a shoulder injury. Now listing him as questionable, wow. a little bit unexpected Ooh. here for Sunday's game against the Colts. This certainly one we're going to keep an eye on as we watch for this rookie to continue to make his impact felt. Yeah, he really took some hits in week one. Davis Mills, we would presume, uh, would get the call again at quarterback. We were hoping to see him against Anthony Richardson, though. We'll keep an eye on that. Thank you, Jeff. Just had a front row seat to Tua Tonga Bailoa there in South Florida. Coming off this eye-popping 466-yard passing performance, three touchdowns, one interception. Tyree Kill on the receiving end, 215 yards, two touchdowns each, ranking tops in the NFL in week one. They visit a New England Patriots team that gave the Eagles will run for their money in the opener. Here's Matthew Judon. When you look at this offense, you see a lot of speed. Uh, when you look at this court, uh, this offensive group and the offensive personnel, is is made for you know kind of a street ball game. It's kind of playing a game of freeze tag with these guys, man. You try to get your hands on them, uh, but they're so quick, they're so athletic. I love freeze tag. I'm awesome at it. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. That's what we're talking about. I'm tremendous at it. Okay, that great. And, and what, what does it take to be great at freeze tech? Okay, Speed that's all I'm saying. <laughs> all those qualities that you possess <laughs> in such great measure. But shall we talk about the Miami <laughs> Dolphins, the real athletes that we're talking about here? The real ones. What's the key? What's the key in this matchup? I, I think for New England defensively is one how they handle Miami's 21 personnel. Remember, we talked about it early on in the season: two back, one tight end, and they don't get in it to like run the football. They get in it to try to attack your defense. Mm -hmm. Number two. How are they going to handle all the motion? And I want to get RC's perspective on this. And Mina, we talked about this a little bit. It's not just motion. It's all different kinds of motion. Yeah. The speed that the motions happens at. And then the third thing is, are they going to play man coverage as much as mm -hmm. certainly they did in week one against Philadelphia and certainly the amount that the Chargers did in week one? I think those are really the big three things that defensively the Patriots have to kind of hone in on. Yeah, I think the Miami Dolphins puts you in a very difficult spot based on the personnel that they have and also the play calling, the creativity, and the way that they move in and out of everything they want to do. And so for the New England Patriots, it's going to be about morphing into whatever you have to week to week. And this week is the most difficult week of the year with what the Miami Dolphins are capable of doing. And we saw that against the Los Angeles Chargers. I uh, like how... None of us really have answers <laughs> to us talking no about. Doubt. Like we're talking about the challenge yeah. uh, rather than being like telling them what to do. If we knew how to stop this uh, defense, I think we would all be defensive coordinators yeah. in the NFL. I'm not sitting here. Uh, and they can't even do it. I'll say this. I will say I'll, I'll give one prospective piece of advice, I guess. Um, 
they got to get more pressure than L.A. did. Now, that's yeah. always a challenging proposition because of Tua's quick release, which is combined with the average depth of target, kind of stunning and, and unusual. But even last week when Tua held on to the ball for three seconds or longer, which is pretty long in the NFL, the Chargers only got to him 16% of the time. That yeah. is unacceptable. I thought the, Eagle, uh, the Patriots' five-man rush looked really good against a very good Eagles offensive line week one. Combination of Judon we saw there, Uche, Barmore, uh, and Keon White, the rookie, also was disruptive. They got to win the game for the Pats because in coverage, I, I just don't know what the answers are. RC, what, what's the best way for them to go handling all the, all the motion that the Dolphins offense throws at them? What's, what's the best way? I think the best way is to simplify what you do defensively from a communication standpoint and also adjustments. They want to get you moving. They want to get you out of place. And by doing that, they're able to use your leverage and the fact that you are in positions you aren't used to to their benefit, which allows Tua Tungavaloa to kind of process and make the decisions he needs to make as quickly as anyone else in the NFL. Hey, good test. We're one of the great defensive minds in history. Mm. But, wow, this is a matter of personnel. It'll be fun to Woo. watch. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. Maybe. Uh, time now to seize the day presented by Caesar Sportsbook. Maybe for a Dolphins fan. Uh, let's take a look at the profit odds for the first touchdown scorer in this game. As you can see here, Raheem Mostert with the best odds, followed by Ramondre Stevenson and Tyreek Hill. But we go to our math whiz, Mina. Who do you have scoring the first touchdown in this one? Yeah, I like Hill in this one um, for all the reasons we just <laughs> described. Uh, yeah, obviously with the running backs, uh, you know, it's more likely near the goal line. But uh, I, I, as much as I think about New England and all the bodies they can throw at these wide receivers, I just don't see an answer for Tyreek Hill. I don't see an answer for Tyreek Hill in the NFL right now. Yeah, you guys have basically been doing this all week, showing people why there is no answer <laughs> for that offense for Hill and company. Oh, Mito, man. We appreciate you coming up. The Bengals, the Ravens offense is both struggling, though, in week one. They were at the opposite end of the spectrum. And Dan is going to tell us what the Bengals need to do to get Burrow back on track. Seize the day is brought to you by Caesars Sportsbook, the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Well, the Bengals are either looking at a bounce back or going 0-2 in the AFC North. Joe Burrow coming off one of the worst games of his career, 14 for 31, just 82 yards. Ravens with some growing pains in their first game under Todd Munkin as OC, just 265 total yards. A new receiver, Odell Beckham Jr., had an interesting analogy for the offense. Take a listen. It was undercooked appetizer. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't necessarily what you know, none of us wanted, but you know, for Zay to come out and this is his first game, like I said earlier, I was to see him do the things that we know he's capable of doing, bait, and who came back from fighting injuries and, and a surgery, and just to be able to see him out there playing with confidence. An undercooked appetizer, RC. I don't know. I'm thinking of the pigs in a blanket still frozen, maybe. Oh. The dough hasn't, like, you know, risen on the, what? You, mm. Not a fan of pigs in the blanket? <laughs> I think they stink. Oh, my gosh. I can't. Can't talk to Dan about food. Talk to us about Terrible the Ravens, takes. my friends. The, how does Dan not like pigs in a blanket? I mean, who? Whatever. Anyway, go ahead, RC. Yeah, I think the, the big thing with this team is just about finding a rhythm under Todd Munkin. We have to remember that was the first time that this group of individuals ever got to play together. And also Todd Munkin as an offensive coordinator, having an opportunity to call plays for Lamar Jackson and this new set of skill players as they move forward. I believe this team will have an opportunity to gel and with gelling, use some of the skill sets that can make this, this offense absolutely dynamic. Mm. I think for Cincinnati, the key is going to be their tackles both have to play significantly better. Now, are they going to see the same type yeah. of rush that Cleveland presented them? Certainly not. Miles Garrett is one of the elite ones. But those tackles, really from the start of the game, Joe, I think, was certainly off in the speed of everything he was not accustomed to. But it was really the kind of the perfect storm of Joe being unsettled and then the tackles not playing up to their kind of level. And then... He was 0 for 7 throwing the football to T. Higgins. For this offense to be what this offense is, mm -hmm. it can't just be Joe and Jamar. It is one of the most dynamic yeah. NFL offenses because it's Joe, Jamar, and T, and Tyler. That connection has got to have a better week two than it certainly did in week yeah. one. Yeah, the Browns did all the things to Joe Burrow that you usually get killed for if you do on defense, blitzing him, uh, daring him to throw outside the numbers, playing single high. I don't expect the Ravens to do the same, assuming they're not playing in a thunderstorm, because uh, I think that affected him a lot. I think we're going to see something pretty similar to what we saw in the wildcard game when they also gave Joe Burrow a really difficult time. More split safety coverage, uh, getting in and out of that on the back end. And then up front, this front seven, they have to treat Joe Burrow the way Dan Orlovsky treated our morning meeting. Make him think they're coming and then bail at the last second. I want to see Roquan Smith on the line of scrimmage dropping into coverage. I want to see Odafe Owe, who was, by the way, really good week one, um, moving all over the place. It's that confusion and that chaos that gives Joe Burrow problems. That's why he has struggled against his defense in the past. Yeah, RC was like, is Dan on the line? But I guess this is uh, 
<laughs> somewhat of a habit. Well, um, Mina, you're, you're like oh for two here. Pigs in a blanket, morning meeting. Pigs in like, a blanket do stink. Mina, you're about, to, you, you're about to have child in a couple of weeks, <laughs> so you are now going to feel what it's okay. like to be the rest of us hey. when it comes to mornings. Hey, hey. All right. What do you want me to make you for lunch, dude? <laughs> Grab an encrustable and go. You'll make it next time. Uh, shall we get it back to football for Call just it a quickly, second? Though. Take a look like at that. these uh, Ravens without four key starters uh, in this game. Two on the offensive line, two in the secondary. There's some good news. Mm. Uh, tight end Mark Andrews, more participant in today's practice after missing last week's game. What stands out to you? Uh, what's what, how big a deal is this? For, for me, the left yeah. high hero, Ronnie Ooh. Stanley, is huge. Mm -hmm. Cincinnati's got two really good edge rushers. Mm -hmm. Linderbaum's a big deal as well. But Ronnie Stanley not being there, again, with this new pass-centric offense, I think Todd Monken's got to be really aware of that. RC, one last word. Oh, I just think when you look at this game, this is going to be a game that for both of these teams is not necessarily a must win, but it will be a measuring stick. All right. That was that was very good. Almost right down to the wire. RC, Mina, we appreciated the math lesson. Everybody have a great weekend. You have fun calling Monday Night Football. We'll see you all Monday.